This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hello and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. My name is Georgina Chetwind and I'm a Research and Development Officer with Research in Practice. I'm delighted to be joined by Jerry Nosowska and we're going to be talking today about the Good Assessment Handbook. So this was first written by Jerry in 2014 and has been a really popular resource on our website, but she's recently made significant updates to it. And so we're going to be unpacking it for you today. It's written primarily for adult social care practitioners who are completing assessments under the CARE Act. So as well as, as writing the, the handbook, Jerry is the founder and director of Effective Practice, which supports organisations to improve social care. She was also the chair of the British Association of Social Workers, which is the professional association for social workers, and from June 2018 to June 2022. And as well as this, she was a service manager, team manager and social worker in community and integrated teams in England. So really pleased to to welcome you today, Jerry. Thanks so much for joining me. It's great to be here. I was wondering if we could um, start off perhaps by hearing a little bit about the background to the handbook and, and how the project started and, and how you got involved. Yes, yeah, so the uh, handbook initially, as you said, it came out in, um, it was created in 2014 to 2015, which was just at the time that the Care Act 2014 was coming into force. It started officially in 2015. And so the Um, assessment handbook was part of a change project that partners asked us to do a kind of action research project to support them with the implementation of the care act and one of the biggest things about the care act um, is of course the assessment of care and support for adults and carers and so that was um, an area they really wanted us to focus on because the work that had been done to kind of lead to the care act all the policy work and the discussions with experts by experience in the research pointed to some some issues around assessment and under the previous law the assessment was very much driven by um by needs and we're moving into looking at outcomes and looking at um kind of strength-based kind of work uh, much more self-directed work so it was a big shift happening and a big legal and policy shift so it's a really it was a really good time to do the handbook and it was, although I wrote it, it was based entirely on um, other people's work, to be completely honest. So there was a, a change project of partners who came together into a development group, seven local authorities, and they brought all of their expertise and their experience around assessment and all of their kind of hopes and kind of learned wishes about how assessment would work well. We had lots of input from research and voices from people with experience of assessment. And we also used other research around assessment. Um, And that development group met three times and we looked at what a good assessment is, what a good assessor looks like and what support for assessment, good support for assessment looks like. And that formed the basis of the handbook. It's amazing actually to think that that was kind of six or seven years ago now. And so it is really timely to review it um, and to look at all the, the tools and resources that we put together and put in the handbook at that point um, and to think about you know, what's the most useful thing now. So again, we had input from partners around that um, and we did another look at the literature, look at the policy and the guidance um, and brought in lots more examples of, of really how assessment works now. Because at the time when we wrote it in the first place, it was all about how assessment might work. Um, and now it's about you know, what's actually happening in practice. That's great. Thank you. Because you say, I think you acknowledge at the beginning of the handbook that um, 
since it was first written in 2014, there have been really significant changes in adult social care. Um, so I was wondering kind of if there are what some of the key themes are that kind of that, that you've updated in the new handbook. I mean, the major thing that's happened really is that the Care Act has been implemented and embedded. Uh, so that's that has, I think, led to a shift in practice and um, and also to lots of um, developments in the way that practice works. So the major practice themes now are um, you know, built on what was happening before, are really around co-production and around strength-based work. So really focusing in on um, supporting people to have conversations about what's important to them and what matters to them and to bring that into the assessment and to look at outcomes with them and to look at what might support them you know, as, a, as a joint, as a co-produced endeavour. Uh, so I think that was that's been one of the things um, that, that hopefully comes through in the in the new edition. But the other the other things um, that are really you know, at the forefront of adult social care thinking at the moment are equality, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, so there's much more in here about um, about that and about the work that's being done in the sector to really try to be more inclusive and to be anti-oppressive and to kind of really challenge. Um, racism for example there's um there's been a lot of work happening still is with research and practice around intersectionality and, and thinking about people's identity and experiences in a real kind of rounded way and the other big things of course is that the changes in the context that we've had with adult social care so the research around the implementation of the care act is really clear that it's hampered by constraints and resources and everyone working in adult social care is really aware of that in their, you know, their kind of lived experience um, because we've had austerity and we've had cuts to local authority resources over the, the time frame in which the Care Act has been operating. So that's something that impacts not only on assessment, um, but also on assessors and the kind of support that they need. So we've, we've tried to really um, reflect that. And the other thing um, I think is you know, the COVID pandemic has accelerated technological changes in practice. So there's a section in the handbook about um, approaches to assessment, which talks about the different kind of ways that you would have those conversations with adults and carers. Um, and we do a lot more work now virtually than we would have done even a few years ago. So it sounds like there've been kind of some really significant changes and updates. I'm particularly interested in hearing you kind of talking about, you know, the focus on intersectionality and, and anti-oppressive practice now. Um, and also the kind of the focus on co-production. Yeah, the other thing that we've done is we've brought in more sections around um, specialist considerations around assessment. So the handbook applies to any assessment with any adult, or any carer, but there are particular considerations around how you work with people who are experiencing particular situ situations or um, who have particular kind of things going on in their lives. So we've got sections around um, considerations about young carers, for example, um, working with autistic adults, working with people with an acquired brain injury, um, people living with dementia, people in prison. So it's, it's you know, that's just some of the examples. So there's not great detail there, but what there is, is there's a lot of signposting um, and, and hopefully that will enable people to think not just about assessment in, in the round, but also the, the particular person in front of them, if they're experiencing something um, significant where there's good research or good evidence or good information from research and practice that they can go to that they'd be able to use the um, handbook also as a kind of uh, signposting resource. 
So perhaps it might be, it's a good time to lead on nicely to um, thinking about how the handbook is structured. And I'm, I'm very aware that some people who are listening to this might be kind of very uh, used to using the handbooks, but some people might be uh, new to using the handbook. Um, and I know you mentioned at the beginning that kind of the structured around the, um, the three key themes, the good assessment, good assessor, and um, kind of support for assessment. Have you got kind of top tips for people in terms of kind of navigating the handbook and, and finding the information that they need? Yes, it's try, we've tried to make the handbook really easy to dip into and to find useful information that you might want to. Um, because it's an electronic resource, of course, you can use the search function, which does help you. Um, but there's also hopefully fairly clear headings and subheadings that kind of help you guide you to the right place to the place that you're looking at so the, there's a context section at the start which gives um, a kind of overview of uh, the law and um, the the context of assessment and sort of practice of assessment so that's quite a good place to start as an introduction um, the the good assessment section has a lot around the sort of practice approaches and the ethics of assessment and then talks you through steps to doing a good assessment so there's um, building a relationship gathering information analyzing the information and then acting on it um, so that's a way of kind of thinking through your assessment practice and where you might be in, a, in an assessment that you were doing and that's also uh, where you'd find um, the sort of specific elements of assessment that need to be considered so I think that's quite a good place to start the good assessor section is much more about your professional development and the kind of capabilities that are needed and again all that signposting to different sorts of resources that might help you and the good support for assessment um, is aimed both at assessors and organizations around um, the kind of conditions that help them do good assessments that's working conditions supervision um, issues around workload those kind of things um, I think the in terms of top tips so having a look through the contents um, and the introductory bit which says this is really what it covers and how you might use it um, and who it's for that's quite a, a kind of useful two-page um, overview of the of the way it works but there's also throughout the the um, handbook there's some highlighted main messages and reflective points so that's things you can just kind of home in on um, we've got exercises in there which have been created with people who work in assessment and um, with our partners so that those are things that you could um, take out and, and use either in an assessment or in learning and development. And there's also good practice suggestions and examples that kind of help you think about how other people are doing things and how um, organizations are working. Um, I think probably one of the most useful things is the signposting as well through to other resources. So you can go you can dig a bit more deeply into the things that you want to. So hopefully people will use it both as a as a kind of reference point, um, either to, to support them to learn or to just reinforce the way that they're, they're working. Um, I think particularly for, for the, the law and the ethics, it's a really useful kind of reference guide, um, but also as something that they can pull out a particular element of assessment or a capability and reflect on that themselves or, or think about that in supervision or with colleagues or, or you could absolutely use it as a learning resource. Well and um, Jerry thank you so much for explaining that to us and it sounds like it's great that it can, it can, it can be used in such a kind of a variety of different ways and it sounds like um, it can be a really useful resource for people at different stages of their career too from, from newly qualified social workers through to kind of managers. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the ideas behind it uh, when we were 
initially working with the development group to think about who the handbook was aimed at we really wanted it to be something that assessors themselves could use um, so that as any social care practitioner who might be carrying out an assessment but there's just a real diverse group of people who do that as you say from people who, who are brand new into adult social care through to very experienced practitioners and also people with different professional backgrounds so the idea was that you could take it as a as a kind of foundational um, textbook I suppose a foundational handbook um, you could also um, as I say build on that and use it for reflection so that you could kind of identify your own development and where you wanted to um, to strengthen your practice and you could also be signposted onto additional things and one of the things just to mention is that there is a uh, set of capabilities that, um, in the handbook around assessment and there's also a learning needs analysis and an action plan so that you can be thinking about your own practice um, and where you want to to extend your practice uh, so for example um, when I was writing it I had had quite a lot of professional experience of assessments uh, but one of the areas that I was particularly interested in was the the ethics behind assessments and behind the law so if it had been me as a practitioner uh, I would probably have wanted to kind of use that as a focus for my professional development uh, so I think you know, one of the things we know in adult social care is that people are always always learning and practice is always evolving and so it is it's really good to um to you know to kind of be thinking about where you are and where you want to go with your practice yeah that's so true that practice is always evolving and the context is always evolving too so I was thinking about this podcast Jerry I was thinking about um yeah, kind of examples of, of people coming to the handbook kind of questions that they might have and I was thinking about when I was a newly qualified social worker so I was a children's social rather a social worker rather than adult social worker and thinking about kind of that very first home visit that I did where I needed to do an assessment so, so I was wondering Jerry if I could ask you if you take yourself back to when you were a newly qualified social worker on the doorstep of your very first assessment are there kind of top tips that you'd like to that you've learned from doing the handbook that you'd like to tell yourself to tell your younger self? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And amazingly, even though it's a really long time ago, I qualified 20 years ago, I still do remember those first assessments, uh, either out in the community or I was also a hospital social worker. So going into the ward to, to meet with people. And there is, and I think it's right that there is a kind of element of anxiety about that because you're going into a new relationship with somebody in a situation that you you don't um, know about and I think the the things that this handbook and the work that I've done on it has really helped me reflect on are you know, the emphasis on that relationship I know that's a kind of a, a truism that we talk about all the time in social care that is relationship based um, but when you're going to see someone and you know you've got to get kind of a job done and you've only got a certain amount of time the pressure is on you to, to move away from that relationship focus and to be focused on the task, but the task only happens through the relationship. So I hope that the handbook's kind of clarity around assessment starts with building a relationship and that that's kind of the first step and the thing else that you want to do, the information, the analysis, the decisions, all of that follows um, or comes from that relationship. I hope that that would be something that people would really um, take away and that's really resonated with me. And I think the other um, the other things in the in the handbook and doing the work with with partners and, and looking at the research and the lived experience around it, one of the things that kind of jumps out as well is the importance of of seeing the experience through the eyes of the person that you're assessing 
um, and what that feels like for them. So there's a, an exercise around understanding responses to assessment um, and there's a section on ethics as well, which I think really help to think through what that experience of assessment is like for the other person. And certainly when I was a newly qualified um, practitioner or new in a job, again, there's a tendency, isn't there, to kind of be focused on your own experience because because um, it's quite a big deal to go and assess someone. So having having that kind of, again, permission and encouragement um, and reflection around thinking about the other person, thinking about it through their eyes, looking at their experience, I think is, is a really positive thing. Um, and I suppose the final thing is, you know, assessment ultimately is underpinned by law. So there's really good practice that has grown up around it um, that, was, that was draws on ethics and the law of course is underpinned by ethics as well. But we do really need to have clarity and a really sound understanding of what the law actually says um, to keep our practice on the right track, but also to, to be able to be an advocate for the person that we're working with and to be able to say, yeah, these are your entitlements, this is how it looks, this is the kind of thing that um, we need to talk about and this is why, and this is what we're hoping to, to get to for you. Uh, so that, that advocacy role requires really sound legal knowledge. Um, and again, in the handbook, we've had support both from people working in the field, but also um, from people who've written about the law. Uh, so there's, there's stuff in there about legal literacy from Brain Preston Shoot. There's um, things in there around the, the detail of the Care Act from um, Pete Felden. And I think that that's really helpful as well because you've got to kind of have that sound reference as well back to you know, what's my mandate here. Um, and again, for a new person uh, coming to assessment, having that clarity about what your role is and why it's okay to go and have this conversation with this person um, and, and just kind of, I guess, in some ways, push yourself into their life, you know, to have a real clarity about what is the mandate for that? What's the legal kind of basis for that, I think is, is really important. Thanks, yes, that's three really, really important points. Um, the importance of relationship building and kind of everything else flowing from that. And the importance of being able to see things from the other person's perspective. Um, and the kind of the legal mandate for the work that we're doing, you know, three really crucial points. I think um, just kind of reflect on what you're saying about the importance of relationship building. And um, there are definitely certain themes within the handbook that, that resonated with me. I'm thinking particularly about um, strengths-based practice and kind of what you're saying in terms of when, you know, when I was feeling under pressure with, with lots to do, it was, it was much harder to focus on that and easier to focus on kind of just the needs and the, and the presenting problems. But um, I think you talk about kind of ways to, to support social workers and strengths-based practice in terms of kind of supervisory support, being able to kind of take a step back and, and think about the bigger picture and, and draw out kind of the strengths within the families themselves. Are there any other kind of key themes in the handbook that have deeply resonated with you? My favourite section is the ethics of assessment section and the themes within that, I mean, they're huge themes around, um, as you say, building on people's strengths, um, bringing out the kind of individuality and, and the person-centred approach, but also um, kind of referencing there to antipressive practice, ethics of care, you know, big, big ideas around how we relate to people. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's one of the things that excites me about social care is that the capabilities are 
skills and knowledge and ethics. So there's a real strong element to all of our work about not just how to do it well, but why are we doing it at all? You know, what is the framework in which this sits? Um, and as I said, you know, there's a legal framework and that that is underpinned by human rights ethics and the the practice frameworks the you know the whatever guidance we're following whether we're using this handbook or, or or you know other resources to think about what guides our practice and um, they are underpinned also by by the values that that we hold you know, the, again the kind of the why why are we doing this what is it that we're really hoping to achieve it's really important to think about that but it's also really fascinating because it all comes back to how humans want to relate to one another in a society so um you know why would a practitioner be spending time talking to an adult about how their life should be or how they want their life to be? It's because we have a shared understanding of, of what a good life looks like and what thriving looks like. And that's then built into law and practice that, that we undertake. So kind of going back to that, I think is, is really important and really interesting. And the other, the other thing just um, in terms of what kind of resonates with me in the handbook, there's a section in there now, as I said, about virtual working. Again, that, that draws on some other work that I was doing with research and practice around um, virtual conversations. And that's been really fascinating development in practice. Um, and again, goes back to, you know, not just how we how we can work with adults and carers um, and the kind of range of op options from, you know, texting through to video conferencing through to, um, you know, phone calls to face-to-face -face visits and, and the blending of that but again probably more interestingly and more importantly you know, why why would we use different methods what's what's the best approach to having the kind of conversation that that adult carer needs to have with us um, and and getting to the place that we need to through that relational work and so that's been I think something that's that's developed very quickly through through the COVID-19 pandemic but has you know, kind of tapped back into that fundamental question of you know, why do we work in the way that we work and given us reason to kind of question that and think about the different approaches that we can have to that conversation um, and again that all of that helps you reflect on you know, why we have this conversation in the first place so yeah it's that it's that um that underpinning why that is most interesting to me that's so interesting thank you yeah that it's really important kind of that really helpful for us to be able to take time take a step back and think well why why are we doing this why are we working in this way are there kind of better ways of working and and what, and what, what do we hope to achieve um through, through doing this and I guess that takes us right back to the the well-being principle of, of the care act and and wanting to see other people to thrive and you're also talking about the kind of the context of of austerity and kind of time pressures and, and resource pressures and kind of perhaps thinking about social workers who are listening to this and feeling well, I could kind of definitely see myself in this position sometimes of feeling I, I really want to be able to kind of take a bit of a step back to, to practice more reflectively but kind of there's so many kind of situations going on I'm needing to kind of be in crisis mode all the time is there any what kind of areas of the handbook that you could point them to um, uh, to help them kind of um, be able to be able to, to be able to take a step back and, and practice more reflectively. One of the things I hope comes through clearly in the handbook and certainly came through clearly from the development group when we're putting it together is that assessment isn't kind of a solo activity 
you're assessing in context. Uh, and that's why there's the sections around understanding what good assessment is and understanding what a good assessor is, but also what's the support, what does good support for assessment look like? And so that section on good support for assessment, that's, I hope, a, a place that people can find some some strategies organizationally and individually um, to to support the work that they're doing and the fact that this is really pressured time for this kind of work uh, and I think the responsibility primarily lies with the organization to support people who are going out and doing this work with adults and carers however what we wanted to do as well is give people um, who are in that mix um, things to ask for you know, the pointers uh, to you know, the the things that they they need supervision, um, discuss, you know, being able to talk to their manager about their workload, um, having learning and development opportunities. Because although we know those things, uh, yeah, it's very well documented and researched, isn't it? That that support for people working in adult social care is absolutely crucial, and and, and what that what good support can look like um, in pressured environments some of that disappears and people don't prioritize challenging for that and asking for that and ensuring that that's in place and I think that's partly because we've got a very altruistic workforce who put who prioritize going out and doing the practice work above the um, above their own support I think it's also because organizations are under pressure uh, to meet their statutory expectations and that makes it very hard for them then to to prioritize um, the supervision and the professional development and the other things that are needed and to, to manage the workload. Um, that said, I think, you know, again, I hope the handbook is just another another voice in that um, in that discussion that's that's saying we have to prioritise support uh, because everything else depends on it. You know, people can't do good ethical practice work without having that support in place um, so that's one of the things I think also having something um, to refer to that kind of gives you some some confidence that the kind of practice you're doing is actually on the right lines that can be really reassuring because of course when you're busy and pressured you can start to lose confidence in your um, in your capabilities um, and the other thing that I hope is in there is some is something that will support the best use of the time that you have so you know we, we do know um, the context at the moment and the expectations around the context are you know that it's going to be maybe potentially even more difficult because of the cost of living crisis um, you know we know that within that practitioners are going to be really constrained for time and resource with people uh, so there's a there's an element of that which is about advocating um, nationally for, for for the right sort of conditions to do to do good social care um, but there's also um, an important element around making the best possible use of the time that you have, which is why there's such a focus in the handbook on relationship building um, and and also hopefully tools and reflections that will support you to, um, to, to ask the kind of questions and gather the kind of um, information and um, do the kind of analysis that will help you make the best possible decision within the constraints that you have. So yeah, if you're um, if you're going out to see someone and you only have a limited time, um, 
for example, in the handbook, there's top tips um, from people with lived experience about what they hope their assessor would um, would do, what sorts of things they'd ask them about, the sorts of um, ways that they would approach it, which will maybe help with building the relationship so that you you know you get onto a kind of sound footing at the start. Um, and then there's um, there's reflective points in there about thinking again about that person's experience, the kinds of questions you'd ask them that would actually get to the, the bottom of you, what their strengths are, what their the barriers are they're facing, um, that would really kind of tap you into what's the human rights elements of this work that we're trying to do. Um, and then, you know, hopefully the steps around assessment um, will help with that kind of ordering of information and um, analysis so you can come to a good judgment. Because what we're talking about in a pressured environment is people using the time they've got as appropriately and kind of proportionately as possible in order to get the best information they can for the best decision they can make in that circumstance. Yeah, one of the one of the decisions that's important in assessment is do I know enough to make a, you know, a, a decision that is uh, going to be helpful to this person and yeah, that's a discussion that hopefully people have with their supervisor maybe with their colleagues um, but it's not have I done everything possible because everything possible is um, is you know, is is kind of um, the constraints around assessment mean that you can't do everything possible you have to be thinking about what's reasonable what's enough what's the what's the kind of the best that I can do in this circumstance uh, so again hopefully the, the handbook can help with that kind of discussion it's a very real dilemma isn't it? have I um, have I got enough to um, to make a good judgment in this situation because I know I need to move on to the next thing um, and I think having again a reference to support you with that um, and, and that real emphasis in here about assessors need to be able to make those kind of judgments with the support of their organisation and with good supervision. Um, hopefully that will that will help um, provide some scaffolding around the work that people are doing. A point that you made in the handbook that really kind of stood out to me was the importance of social workers recognising that that social work assessment is an intervention in itself and and, and through building a relationship through an assessment, kind of the, the power of change that can happen through that um, is, is important not to, yeah, really important not to forget. Yeah, I think that's, um, there's a couple of really important elements to that. So the theory and research around the benefits of the relationship in its own right, the kind of therapeutic element of assessment. So we build a relationship partly as a means to an end, because it's through the relationship that you come to understand the person and the outcomes. And, you know, you can actually follow what the Care Act expects of you, um, that you would understand the, the needs that someone has and the outcomes they want to achieve and the sorts of things that would help them achieve those outcomes. But the, the other aspect of it is, is the kind of relationship being an end in, in itself that that is of benefit to people to have the chance to have those conversations and have that encounter with you as a practitioner um, and the what you can show them through that encounter and I think it's interesting I have a colleague who works in children's services Joe Fox and um, we talk about this quite a lot uh, that part of what you're doing is modeling things to them so um, in the case of children's services where she works, you might be modelling a kind of really healthy relationship to somebody who's had you know, lots of experiences of, of relationships that have been quite dysfunctional. Um, 
in the adult world, it might be a bit different. You might be doing that, but you might also be um, modeling how to navigate law and policy or how to understand your entitlements and to obtain them. So you might be doing quite a bit of that work, um, but you're also modeling it to the person so that they can start to maybe do more of that themselves as well. Um, so that's that's a kind of interesting benefit of the relationship, um, the kind of role modeling. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about social work being a service in its own right, it's something that um, there was some research recently around the implementation of the character. That was one of the things that social workers themselves didn't necessarily um, remember because we're busy doing the work and coordinating and, and kind of um, pulling in other people, but actually social work because of its professional background can um, can offer a therapeutic service um, and does do um, in a very kind of evident way in, in some fields. So for example, in end of life care, palliative care, social workers, um, one of the things that would be in the care and support plan um, would very likely be the social worker, you know, social work, time with the social worker, that sort of therapeutic element. I think our colleagues in occupational therapy are much uh, more aware of this, that they're not just there to um, to kind of understand things and, and bring in different things, but also to do work themselves um, and to be a resource in their own right. Um, so I think it's, it's something that's worth remembering. Um, but as I say, for all social care practitioners, whatever our background, they, the fact that we're spending time with an adult or a carer um, is is an opportunity, isn't it? It's an opportunity for change making, um, for um, for helping that person understand things, helping that person um, develop their own skills in some sense, role modelling things, and 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 being um, being a therapeutic support to them in that moment. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Really, kind of important things to think about in terms of. Um, yeah, social work as an intervention in itself in terms of the, the therapeutic benefits of relationship building and and interesting that you're saying about kind of the, the kind of possibilities to to model um, um, things for, for, for people using services. Um, we're coming to the end of our time together. Is there anything that you'd like to add about the, the handbook that I haven't asked you? I suppose the other thing just to say about it is there's lots in there and there is for a really good reason because even though this handbook is just looking at one aspect of the care act and one kind of assessment it's it's a really rich activity one of the things I really hope is that the the handbook kind of um, demonstrates that this is complex work yeah, it's really skilled work um, it's it's not a question of just anyone could have a conversation with just you in with someone about their life and follow a process of some sort to achieve the aspirations of the care act which is to promote that person's well-being there's so much that goes into it um, and people who do this work um, assessors who've who've gained that kind of experience and expertise um, I would hope would really recognize that it's it's something you know, profound that they're doing, something really important and um, that ought to be recognised as a really 
significantly expert activity. So I think I think that message does come through. Um, I think the other thing about that is is you know, the other thing that I hope um, the handbook kind of recognises or helps to show is the constraints around assessment that lie outside of what the assessor or the organisation is trying to do. Um, because it is really important that we bear that in mind. There is great things that can come from assessment. It's a really um, positive entitlement for adults and carers, and it can lead to really, um, really significant changes in that person's situation, that person's life. So there's there's loads of potential and loads of reasons to be kind of really optimistic in engaging in this activity. But there are these definite constraints around it um, that are not necessarily located with the person doing the work and I think it's quite healthy for assessors to to remember not only are they doing something that's complex um, but also they are doing something that is constrained and so absolutely hold on to the aspiration and the optimism about what that can achieve um, but also don't be too hard on yourself that you're not able to do absolutely everything that you might hope to do um, and and you know, keep keep going, keep doing it because it's it is such a, a positive um, opportunity for good. Thanks, Jerry. That's a really lovely note to end on the recognition of the the impact that um, assessments can have on the lives of service users. But also the the reminder for for social workers and social care practitioners not to be too hard on themselves as well. Thank you very much for talking with me today. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation thank you yeah it's a great it's a great topic great opportunity to talk thanks for listening to this research in practice podcast we hope you've enjoyed it why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on twitter tweet us at researchip.com